All right, everybody, welcome to issue two of DC Primetime, a crossover podcast with Next Level Podcast Network and the Caffeine Crew. I am one of your hosts from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And I, and I am Rob Martin. I am the host of the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and also the other co-host on this show now. Uh, no third chair this week. No, uh, no. But, but that's all right. We can do it just fine with just the two of us. Uh, but we do have some other people lined up for future podcasts for our third chair, and I guess we can just kind of get this out of the way. If anybody out there who's listening, because I know we have listeners already, which is fantastic, uh, if anybody out there is interested in possibly becoming a third chair over the next couple weeks, because we do have a number of these set, uh, as we still have a good at least 10, 12 episodes left before yes. these seasons end. Uh, if anybody's interested in possibly being a third chair, uh, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. You can find me at on uh, Next Level Radio or Facebook.com slash Next Level Radio online uh, and on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. And Rob, you can be found. And you can always just hit me up at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. Um, I'm usually the one checking all that stuff. Um, also, too, before we get into our bill, uh, bullet point for this week, um, we also have to thank out, and we're going to thank them again at the end of the show as well, but if you heard that first episode, that intro music was from a man by the name of George Shaw, incredibly talented person who was very, very nice enough to give us uh, the rights to use his music, and a new track you'll be hearing as our closer this week. And uh, as Ben mentioned too, um, you know, as the season wraps up, uh, we're still trying to figure out what that means for this podcast, so I think we have a couple cool plans for after the season's wrap. And uh, we'll be hashing that out over the next couple of weeks. But uh, do we just want to dive into this week's DC bullet point? Yeah, I think we should just get started with uh, the bullet points for this week. Okay. So uh, if for those of you that are new to the podcast, just a quick recap. The bullet points are where we give our three point, one of three point rating for each of the shows this week. Those shows being Supergirl, Arrow, The Flash, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. With the three group rating being... Um, Oh, it was uh, Legend, Hero, or Sidekick, obviously. Legend being the best and Sidekick being uh, the least. Uh, so we'll start with Supergirl, which I know you, in fact, did watch I this did. week. I, I, I'm not current on the show, but um, I did at least watch episode 11, which is Visitor from Another Planet. And uh, like I said, I know it's going to be a little skewed still for me because, again, I don't have the nine episodes from prior to because uh, I did see the pilot. Um, but... All in all, I would say solid episode. It was really enjoyable. I love the John Jones stuff. So I'm going to say that's definitely getting a hero status. Uh, I'm on the same page. I'm going to give this one, even though I am caught up, I'm going to give this one a hero status as well. Uh, moving on to the next one, Arrow episode 11 titled AWOL. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Flash. We're, we're skipping a day. Yep. Uh, Flash episode 11, uh, the return of the, ver- uh, the ver- reverse Flash returns um i'm gonna give this one a legend uh just because it's flash it's i so far every episode this season has been legend for me but yeah um and i i'm gonna actually say this was probably one of my absolute favorite episodes we've had yet um there was a lot of really cool nods that i'm really looking forward to going into that once we hit secret origins uh but yeah that definitely gets a legend point for me as well yeah uh, next up, we have uh, now we're moving on to Arrow episode eleven titled A Wall. Uh, we'll start with this one. Oh, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, like I said, we got a Diggle Brothers episode, kind of like we've seen. Uh, well, a Diggle episode uh, the last couple seasons, and uh, really solid episode. Not a ton happened here, uh, but I would say still all in all, it was enjoyable. But I'm gonna give this one a hero. 
Uh, I'm actually going to give this one a legend, and I do have a particular reason why. We'll get into that when we're when we're doing the uh, the secret origins and going into the episode. Uh, but yeah, I'm this one's going to get a legend status for me. Okay. Uh, and finally, we have Legends of Tomorrow, Episode 2, simply, total, simply titled uh, Pilot Part 2. Uh, I guess I'll start with this one. I'm, I'm kind of torn because uh, I really enjoyed the pilot uh, or the first half of the pilot. I'm And I gave that one a legend. Uh, I think just because it's a continuation of the pilot, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to give this one a legend as well. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of was trying to – I was balancing back and forth on both Arrow and DC's Legends Tomorrow between Hero and Legend on both of those shows. And because this is part two of the pilot, I think I'm going to still hold because it, you can tell it was meant to be one solid like you know, episode. Um, so I'm going to stick with Legend, but like if it was a standalone by itself, if this was like episode four or five, uh, I think it would have got Hero if it didn't have that pilot part two as part of it. Yeah, um, I, th- I think I'm on the same page. Right. I mean it was definitely kind of like – we had our climax at the end of episode one, and then, you know, this was kind of like the slowdown kind of explaining the rest of the show and the plot line. So it was just kind of hard to work with. But, you know, we, since we're kind of already at that point, why don't we go ahead and move into Secret Origins and we'll kick back to Supergirl. Uh, yeah, works for me. As we had mentioned um, in the uh, in the bullet point, this was episode 11 of Supergirl, Strange Visitor from Another Planet. Quick read of the synopsis for the episode, Kara helps Hank face his painful past when a white Martian who wiped out all of the green Martians from Mars kidnaps Senator Miranda Crane, who is an anti-alien politician. Uh, Adam Foster, who is Kat's estranged son, arrives in National City. Um, so I, I'm curious, since you are, uh, since you're not exactly caught up with Supergirl. Were there any points when you were watching this that you were kind of lost, or were you able to keep up with everything that was going on? I mean, I was pretty much able to keep up. I mean, if, if you watch the pilot and you've been aware of what's been happening on that show, I think you can still kind of sit into the mix of it all. I mean, it's very much uh, very reminiscent of a lot of the the pacing of the Flash season one, where the very early part was establishing the characters and kind of you know getting their feet wet, and you can definitely see that uh, Car is still doing that in this episode. But this was kind of a break away from her, and I was really interested to be able to just jump into this because I really love Martian Manhunter in the comics. Mm-hmm. So seeing a big focal point on Hank, uh, John Jones, however you want to refer to him, unfortunately you have a character now that has technically, you know, what, three names in this show? Four names? <laughs> uh, Hank Henshaw, John Jones, and... Um, yeah, Martian Man- yeah, and Martian Manhunter. Actually. Oh, Martian Manhunter, so, yeah. yeah. So he's got three names to go by, So, and then also you have just the actor's name, so... So, yeah, I mean, like, we were just kind of looking at that as a whole. The fact that that was a big focal point of that, and I've seen that adaptation in comic books, in animated films, uh, you know, cartoon episodes where they've done this, and they did a really great job of showing the White Martian War and the Green Martian War, so that was kind of cool. Um, you definitely had a little bit of Holocaust-y kind of stuff that you kind yeah, of saw. And- yeah, it's funny because it's it's weird because ever since we started this podcast, I've actually started taking notes when I watch these shows for things that I potentially want to bring up. And that's one of the things that I did make a note of is that the storyline with the White Martian, which I loved seeing the White Martian, by the way. I I only know them in reference. Uh, I don't know them because, again, you follow the comic books more than I do. Right. Uh, but it is a very um, – compar- it's, a, it's a very strong comparison to making Jean Jones almost Jewish and the – uh, the White Martians and being like the Nazi concentration camps. Yeah, um, um, you definitely got a lot of that in this episode. And I think on top of that, too, you had that senator kind of they were felt like they were doing some a little bit more political statements in the in the, you know, that's kind of referencing right now what's going on in the world. Um, so I thought that was a little heavy handed in a couple spots, especially in the rally where it kind of like you heard 
some things that sounded very familiar to somebody that's currently running for president. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> so I was a little that that kind of pushed me awake just a little bit. But again, I did like that idea that the white Martians were using subterfuge as well. Um, and that was kind of a nice nod to some of the things that you've seen in the past. Um, like I said, I'll always reference Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. Um, you know, DC animated universe from back when, uh, especially Justice League, especially when that started. If you watch the first two episodes of that, they're directly dealing with the White Martian storyline. And, uh, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a really nice nod to a lot of the past with that stuff, and they did it well. Yeah, and it's it's kind of weird to think about at the same time, too, again, as an outsider from somebody who didn't read the comics, that something that happened like a dark point in our history was also a dark point on just the next planet over. You know, it's kind of a weird thing to think about, but. That's, and that's, a, that's just where my brain goes. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it was a very nice parallel. Yeah, exactly. And the whole political aspect of it, too. You see that a lot in a lot of different, uh, even comic book adaptations. I mean, there was a strong storyline in the Smallville um, storyline where it was politics about these heroes have to come out and reveal themselves, which is very reminiscent to Civil War and Marvel. Um, but, I mean, they did the same thing where they wanted all these superheroes to have to register and things like that. So this was kind of like the same storyline that they followed in Smallville, except where it took a, a whole season in Smallville. They kind of shortened it up to an episode in in, uh, in Supergirl, which I kind of liked. Yeah, and so. I mean, I, I think you uh, the big thing you saw from Kara this episode was her using that hum- humanitarian side of herself to talk John down at the end. Uh, I think that was kind of the big, like, you know, her big moment more than anything else. I mean, her story was pretty much focusing on Cat Grant and her son and kind of establishing them. And it's kind of, it was interesting. It was a kind of a nice reverse where you saw Cat and her son trying to close a gap between themselves and you were watching John go through his anger and hatred kind of was a nice polar opposite of what was happening. So the fact that they bounced back and forth, I thought was, it made the show nice and steady throughout. Yeah. And one of the other things I really enjoyed about this episode, too, and you saw it a lot more in this episode, is um, we're seeing a lot less of the hard ass um, Hank Henshaw, which and now more of a connection between him and Karen now that she knows who he is, Uh, because that hard ass character, that's not who Martian Manhunter was. That's not who John Jones was. So now we're kind of seeing the parallels between who he has to pretend to be with Hank Henshaw and who he really is and the connection that he has with Kara and and her sister. Yeah, uh, I think David Harewood uh, actually like showed, showed a lot of a range in this episode. I mean, like you've seen that very angry, brutal side of him in like the pilot. Uh, and then from just comparing that to this episode, uh, they had a nice little touching moment with uh, Alex and, and Kara at the end of the episode, kind of, you know, him mentioning losing his wife and daughters and then viewing them as kind of, you know, his his new adopted family. Yeah, which I really liked. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice little touch, and that kind of reminds me of a lot of classic, you know, adaptations we've seen of that character in the past. Yeah. Uh, wrapping up with Supergirl, one final thing, obviously the final scene of the episode, which I think we have to uh, – I think we both can make a prediction as to where it's going. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's been revealed in the news and, and stuff like that. What This is a storyline that they were going to take on. But we saw a second Kara, obviously, as or a second Supergirl while Kara was sitting on the couch with her sister. Uh, we obviously saw a second Supergirl on television. We don't know if she was saving or if she was doing damage. I don't think that much was revealed in the news. Yeah, that was the one thing. It was kind of hard to tell what they were doing with that exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is very obvious that they're... And it's even, if you look at the uh, the listing of episodes, the title of episode 12, which we'll talk about next week, is Bizarro. Right. 
So it's very obviously where where they're going with this. Yeah, um, um, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with this. Uh, we've seen many versions in the comic books where there's been altered versions of Supergirl that exist. Uh, we've seen in, like I said, uh, an old comic run where there was a light and dark side of Kara that existed. Um, you know, there's been like the Bizarro versions and there's been the Power Girl version versus her, which is an alternate timeline version of her. So I'm very curious of which way they're going to take this. If they're going to do like classic Bizarro where they're just not off or they're very off mentally. Uh, are we going to see this go into a more extreme route like the Superman Bizarro? Um, so, yeah, I'm really curious on how that's going to play out next week. Yeah, and something that you haven't seen yet because you're not caught up, but uh, last week's episode of Supergirl actually showed – actually, I think it's been the past two weeks. We've seen that uh, Maxwell Lord, who is a character in this show, uh, has had a girl uh, uh, um, anonymous, or anonymously labeled Jane Doe under some kind of experimentation who looks kind of similar to Kara, but not exactly. So I'm curious as to wonder or not whether or not this is going to reveal that this mysterious girl that Maxwell Lord has been experimenting on is going to be Bizarro. Yeah. The Bizarro I, version of Supergirl. I think there's a high chance of that one. I definitely do. Uh, like I said, if, uh, if you know your comic history, Maxwell Lord, not exactly the nicest guy in the world. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so shall we move on to the flash? I think we should. All right. Uh, uh, Reverse Flash Returns, episode yes. 11. Yes. Uh, we both gave this one a legend status, and I think it's very well-deserving. I, I kind of agree with you thinking about it. I think this is a fantastic episode for a number of different reasons. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. Um, well, actually, I have two notes. There's two things that happened in DC with DC shows this week, and one of them was in Legends, one of them was in Flash, and it was characters accidentally back to the futuring themselves. Yes. Uh, we got one of them in this one with uh, Cisco, and then we'll get to the one with uh, Martin Stein and uh, Legends of Tomorrow. But uh, yeah, yeah. But r- real quick, awesome. let me go. Yeah, real quick, let me do the synopsis for the episode. Uh, Doctor Harrison figures out how to induce Cisco's ability. They hence learn that Eobard Thawne is alive, and Iris is saying farewell to her mother. Patty realizes there's more to Barry than meets the eye. So obviously, a, a chocked full hour or forty-two minutes of this episode. Uh, a lot has happened and a lot that has that definitely pertains to the future of this show, in my opinion. Um, we could start with one of the most obvious, which you had mentioned already uh, with Cisco. Um, I thought the I, of the the fact of him getting the glasses so that now he can control the vibe. Um, we're just one huge step closer to Cisco fulfilling his potential of becoming Vibe. Yes, yes. And it was nice to see the, the glasses come back from last season. Um, I was hoping that was not going to just kind of sit in the background for a while. And we saw Wells, well, Harry um, ramp that up quite a bit. And it was kind of cool to see that they're finding a way to get him to attune, uh, get attuned to his power. Yeah, I, I love I love the fact, too, that I, even though this is Harrison Wells, it's a different Harrison Wells. Cisco calls him Harry. Right. And and Harry calls him uh he doesn't so call him Cisco. I think he calls him like Pablo or something. Pablo, he refers to him as Crisco sometimes, all those <laughs> yeah. things. And uh I I, I love seeing how different Kavanaugh has played his Harrison Wells from season one that was also Eobard Thwain, and um and then seeing 
you know, the Harry version now, and it's uh, they feel like two drastically different characters. They do, but what I like about the fact of the Cisco harrison wells relationship is, if you remember from season one, Harrison Wells, very quickly, they had almost like a father-son relationship, similar to Barry and, and Wells, because uh, at one point, you know, Harrison Wells even told Cisco in the first season, you know, I, I could have thought of you as like a second son, and... They kind of have a similar relationship, a father-son relationship, but it's a very bitter father-son relationship. It's, it's, a, it's a very dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> yes, but it's still a father-son relationship. Right. So it's, it's similar while being different at the same time, which I absolutely love. Yeah, uh, and obviously, you know, like I said, um, I figure we'll get to the major stuff at the end, but let's just touch on some of the other stuff here. Um, you know, we got to see more of the relationship with uh, Patty and Barry and how that's fracturing and falling apart. Uh, big push with this episode was Patty, you know, confronting Barry and also confronting Joe and calling Joe out of being, you know, a craptastic uh, you know, liar to his face. Yeah. And was just kind of like, you know, she knew she figured everything out. She put her, uh, you know, she put her detective skills together and finally deduced it, which was great. Cause just last week we were talking about, we were like, how is this still going on? Like I know TJ brought that up. And like we said, every time you have that feeling, they seem to address it immediately right after. Yeah. So yeah, because I think I I had even made mention to that before too that I had thought that the the envelope that she was looking at was a reveal that she kind of knew that he was the Flash and she was checking on her own to make sure. And it turns out I was only a week off. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I thought it was last week, and it turns out to be this week that she actually deducted it and figured it out on her own and confronted you know Joe and confronted Barry on it and. Um, I like the little nod at the end of the episode where they kind of admitted to each other that they know who they she knows who he is. Barry kind of admitted, yes, this is who I am without actually saying it. Yeah. I mean, she says as he speeds off and, you know, he's like, goodbye, Barry, you know, yeah, on the train by herself. And I, it was a really nice touching moment. And again, I really hope it's not a long time before we see her back on the show. I agree. Yeah, I would like to see Patty come back, too, because I think she was good for. Um, I think she was good for Barry and as in like the dynamic that the two of them had. And like I said, she she's filling that void that um, Eddie had, you know, last season. Um, and but she's doing it with a you know with Barry's charm. So it's nice seeing the two of them because Barry's gotten a little darker this uh, this season, and Patty's been there to kind of keep things a little bit brighter. You know, she had a couple darker episodes, but for the most point, she's kind of keep that show constantly elevated at a really nice level. Um, where it allows other characters to go into darker moments and have a moment where she and Barry have this really cute moment together. And it's it's working well. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and, and this is something that we could possibly see, that even though this Patty Spivet is, is gone, we could see an Earth 2 Patty Spivet come across in some point. Right. Um, I think at some point in some kind of alternate universe, whether it be the Flashpoint universe or, or something, isn't she a speedster in herself? Oh, good question. Um, you know what? That I'm not too sure of. I can do a little digging while uh, we you know, continue on with our, our recap. But um, I think, for the most point, I think she's always just been more of a background character in the Flash universe. Okay. Yeah, because I know at some point, um, uh, one of the notable aliases that she has is Mrs. Flash, because I know she does... Um, uh, she she does get in a relationship and marry Barry in in the new Fifty Two universe, so I don't know exactly whether she was a speedster or not. But I mean, there is an there is obviously a chance that we could see her, even with the future episodes coming up where they actually cross over onto Earth Two. There's a very strong possibility we could see a different version of Patty Spivet. Very sure. 
just you know not the one that left yeah so um other notable things about this episode obviously a very detailed um little bit more uh diving into the history of the reverse flash which yes um i'm more and more i see him i'm loving reverse flash i it's i i actually dig the costume more than barry's i love his suit it looks so good it does and it was we had a little moment a flashback moment going back to cisco where uh dr wells put on the old flash reverse flash suit to kind of jump start his fear right uh, so that he could vibe a little bit more, which led into him creating the glasses so that he can control it. Uh, but we're seeing more of Eobard this time around. And, and we're we're seeing an Eobard, an earlier version of Eobard than we saw in season one. So, which, the time travel aspect sometimes, even me being the huge Back to the Future person that I am, can become a little confusing. Uh, but I'm able to keep up with it. For the but you know what? They they always go to the trusty, handy little whiteboard uh, and yes. kind of break things down at a nice, simple level, which I love how they do that. It's it it, it, just, it gives you that perfect diagram. It's kind of like, here's the timeline. This is where Ibard's from. This is the time that we dealt with him. This is him coming back for his first time ever at this timeline, which I like the idea. And they said, you know, why is he not gone? They address that in the best way they could, which is saying, Straight up, there are fixed points in time that can never be changed, which you're going to see probably a lot of that on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, yeah. That idea of fixed points seems to be very, very integral to what's happening across three of the four of these shows right now. Um, yeah. You even get a little nod to that in Arrow this week. Um, but I think that was the fact they said this has to happen regardless. It explains why Barry's mother's not there. He has to come back at this point in time. You erase his future at this certain point but you don't reverse what's happened to him up to this. So it was really nice because everything that happened this week was pretty much Barry creating his ultimate, you know, enemy and what he's faced all of last season, knowing that he just dealt with this. He is now the cause of this. The fact that he has to make these hard calls in this episode lead up to ultimately everything he fought against last season. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, at the, we're, we're going to see more, obviously, I think, uh, looking ahead, which I should have done earlier instead of just talking about it. Um, I think we're very close to the episodes where they're going to be crossing over into earth two. Uh, I think we're only in a couple episodes. Out I think, from that. I think we're two episodes away from that. I believe two episodes. Yeah. I, next week's episode, episode 12 is titled fast lane. Yes. Uh, and then the, well, the, the next two episodes are Welcome to Earth 2 and Escape from Earth 2. Right, and I believe we have another speedster getting ready to show up. Um, I believe the character's name is Tra- Trajectory, if memory serves correctly. It's a- I, and, it's a, and it's a female speedster. Right, cor- and that is another comic character uh, coming in. So it sounds like this season is just going to be full of speedsters left and right. Um, which I kind of like that they're addressing and getting that out of the way now. Instead of trying to like, you know, as each season goes, here's another speedster, here's another one. It's like, no, no, no. We've already, like, just completely said and broke down the walls and said, you know, multiple universes and realities and time travel. And here's all the other speedsters. Like, it's I, I like they're just not holding back. They're not trying to play easy on the audience and saying, look, if you bought everything we've told you so far, you're not going to have a hard time believing that there's more people that can run quick. <laughs> yeah. And what I what, and the other thing I really like about this, too, is if you think about this, this could be a huge setup for a ma- for not a one-on-one altercation between Flash and Zoom cuz they've obviously set Zoom up as the ultimate villain for this season. Right. Um but I mean the way things have been going this could be a very soft setup for 
a possible collaboration versus Zoom at the end. Oh yeah, you're you're meeting all these new characters. You're meeting, um, uh, I, oh god, why can't I remember? His, uh, Jay Garrison, who Jay was a former speedster, or Jake Garrick, yeah, right. who's a former speedster. You have the introduction of Wally West, who there could be a new, there could be an Earth Two version of, who's also a speedster. You're going to meet Trajectory soon, uh, who's a female speedster. We With have all uh, these. Yeah, we have a nod to Jesse Quick now, which is Harrison's daughter on Earth Two, who is another speedster. Yes. Um, so we have a lot more to go. Like we haven't even talked on characters like Max Mercury and all these others that are still down the line. We still have Bart Allen to get to eventually. We, you know, there's so much more to come. Yeah. So I mean, there there could be a huge team up of all these people. Because uh, if you think about it, Zoom being from both universes now, he's the ultimate villain in both of them. So everybody that we're that we're referencing knows who Zoom is. So this could just be a huge team up between all of them, which would be pretty awesome to see like five or six speedsters going up against one. Oh yeah, I can't wait to see it, and you know yeah. it's you know they're building to it, so it's going to be fun to see. <clears throat> yeah. um, you know, like I said, some of the other things that we saw happen there too is uh, we saw a little bit of kickback from Cisco using his vibe powers, where he was starting to hemorrhage, and then also confronting uh, you know Eobard and how that kind of caused some issues for him. The fact that he now gave Eobard knowledge of who he was in the future, and you immediately saw things start to fall apart for Cisco. Yeah. Um, you know, like, he was kind of, like I said, he was back to futuring himself out of the timeline, which led to Barry having to find a way to send Eobard back to his own time. And if you think about it, it's something I just realized, too, just literally just right now. Um you know, Eobard thought coming back, not knowing who Barry was, but now knowing what his timeline and, you know, where to go back to, which is the reason, obviously, he's going to go back to when Barry was a child. Um, he sees Harrison Wells, which is the person that he eventually takes over. Even though it's not the same Harrison Wells, this could be the influence as to why he takes over Harrison Wells when he comes. Yeah, I thought that was kind of amazing where it was the question of who are you? He's like, no one of consequence. And it was yeah. just kind of like, as soon as you said that, you're like, oh, that explains why that earth one harrison wells goes bye-bye yes so it was it was who he becomes yeah it was crazy seeing all these things set up and spin begin to spin out of control all because of this episode things that we've already seen now giving good reasoning for all of them yeah so um you know uh you know outside of this stuff here we also got a little bit more west family drama which was uh really kind of very sweet and touching the way that usually the west always bring to the show (laughs) um you know we had uh Iris's uh, mom and Wally's mom, uh, you know, kind of getting ready to pass away from McGregor syndrome, which I still laugh every time I say McGregor syndrome because of, for those of you who do not know, that was created specifically for Batman and Robin. That was what Alfred was dying of. <laughs> um, so the fact that they nodded even in something like that Joel Schumacher, you know, <laughs> mess uh, yeah. still cracks me up to this day. But, you know, they had basically, you know, this this nice touching kind of goodbye uh, but yeah. it was getting kind of like, you know, seeing Wally kind of now step up and kind of explain a little bit more of who he is as a character and seeing that family kind of tighten now a little bit more together between, you know, Wally and Iris having a real starting to have their brother and sister relationship. And then you always see amazing things from, you know, Joe every episode too. like he had his nice moment with Candace on screen. And uh, again, another nice one with Barry at the end of the episode. Well, I think it's I think it's your wife that said it best. Uh, when Unc- when Papa Joe cries, we cry. Yeah, pretty much. Like <laughs> so, anytime you see Jesse L. Martin's eyes start to get glass, you're like, oh no, it's coming, and you just grab your box of tissues. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because you know it's coming. Yeah. Now, uh, before we move on, though, there is a major, major, major reveal in this episode, uh, and that is actually with uh, Caitlin and Jake Garrick. And I don't know if you caught this, Ben, 
Um, I might not have because okay. I'm trying to think and I don't know. One of the things that we've been dealing with in this episode is, um, you know, we're looking at, you know, Jay is dying. His cells are breaking down because of the loss of the Speed Force. And, you know, Caitlin's definitely been getting closer and closer to him, but she's been looking for his doppelganger on Earth 1. Um, and last week I brought up the idea of, you know, I'm wondering uh, what Jay's ultimate motivations are. Apparently I wasn't far off the mark because, you know, we find out his doppelganger is not Jay Garrick. His name is Hunter Zolomon. And for those of you not in the comic lore knowledge, um, I totally understand if this went over your head. But for those of you that are DC fans, you just found out who our big bad for this season is. And it's really freaking awesome. Hunter Zolomon also went by another name in the comic book universe. He was also the reverse Flash. He was one of the reverse Flashes, more specifically Wally West's big bad. Uh, and he later, later changed his name to Zoom. So, wow. So okay. one of the things Jay mentioned is, you know, the only reason we can't use him to regenerate my cells is my, you know, cells were mutated because of the Speed Force. And uh, he wouldn't be a match. Well, yes, he is now because as soon as you hear Hunter Zolomon, you know exactly who he is. Yeah, but that kind of, I don't know if that exactly works, though, because Zoom is from Earth 2 and Hunter Zolomon mm. is from Earth 1. Ah, uh, see, that's the thing is we Zoom actually had the ability to move through time as well. So, and it wouldn't be a big shock if he found a way to traverse, you know, multiverses. But if he wanted, but if he wanted Barry's speed force, he could have very easily come over and done it himself earlier then. Uh, he could also still be trying to figure out, though, who Barry is. If Barry actually is the Flash. He may not know that quite yet. So I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I exactly believe that or not. It's a nice reference. I mean, uh, now you have your thing, and I'm sure the the internet is in a full uproar, you know, that this is who was revealed. And I, I don't know if I'm quite sold on that yet. I, my right, my, you know, just from what that drop was, I would say I'm pretty much 95% sure that's Zoom. Um, and uh, it wasn't far off from that same kind of way that they revealed um, Harrison last season. Um, so it, it's kind of mirroring that a little bit. And I think it wouldn't be too much of a shock to see that. And I'd really like to see Teddy Sears get a chance to flex his muscles as a bad guy, too. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. So, I mean, it, it seems like he almost has that little underlying quality in himself anyway. He does. And uh, so, so, like I said, we could be looking at Hunter Zolman being our big bad. Um, I wouldn't be too shocked. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now I am, too, because I had no idea that's who it was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, cool. Moving on then with our next show that we're going to discuss, we have uh, Arrow episode eleven titled AWOL. Uh An agent of Shadow Spire who was an enemy from Diggle and Andy's wartime past shows up to Star City. Uh, Diggle must um, uh, Diggle must learn to trust Andy, but he got more than he wanted about their shared time from war. Oliver, however, must learn a new way of life when Felicity is now in a wheelchair and receives her code name. Um, I want to start with that. Okay. With that last part. Um, I loved and made me laugh the little nod because everybody has been predicting that Felicity was going to become Oracle and us included. Like it was something that we talked about last week, the possibility of Felicity becoming Oracle. Uh, instead, she's giving a new code name, which is Overwatch. And I love the little nod and you know, they did it exactly for the fans that were, that saw it coming yes. or thought they saw it coming. Uh, Oliver's little line afterwards, I was going to go with Oracle, but it was already taken. Exactly. And that, that was a nice little, uh, great little nod. And I did actually think that the real star of this episode was, um, Felicity, 
Uh, I, loved, I, I agree completely. Like I said, and that was what was difficult for me still kind of figuring out where I was going to go with my rating for this episode. Um, if I had to base it purely out of just the overall, I would say, you know, it was really close to being a legend. But, you know, there was a couple things that really took me away from this episode. But her performance was definitely not one of them. Um, yeah. Um, Emily Beck Rickard, uh, Rickards is um, she really shined because she yeah. played two characters in this episode. Um, and I have to say, um, is it just me or is goth Felicity hotter? Yeah, she's, than... she, yeah, me and me and uh, my wife were both joking <laughs> okay. about it consistently. It's like, man, they should just have her like say, screw it, and just go back to the black hair and yes, you know what? I I agree completely. But they kept um, mentioning bad fashion choices. Like, no, good fashion choices. She looks yes, good. Exactly. Don't do that. What I like about Arrow in this episode in particular is, even though Stephen Amell and Arrow is the main character of the show, they're not afraid to send the focus to other characters. I mean, in, the, in this episode, there were obviously two other focuses that I think were more important than uh, than Oliver. Uh, obviously, we had Felicity going through her ordeal of dealing with what she's going through uh, and speaking to the older version of herself. Uh, but we also had a, a storyline very focused on Diggle and his brother. Yeah, and uh, you know, like I said, last season and even you know the season prior too, when we've got our Diggle-centric episodes... Um, I really love that they dive back into his past, this time being more specifically not just John, but Andy's, you know, relationship as well. And, um, you know, last season we saw that great episode with uh, the Suicide Squad and we saw the end of Deadshot, you know, potentially for the series, depending on uh, probably the success of the Suicide Squad movie. Um, but it was uh, it was nice to kind of take a break, but they did find a nice way to tie that into the current, you know, flashbacks, but still left yeah. me questioning... Well, I didn't even need that because, again, the flashbacks the last season and this season have felt very uh, unnecessary. You know, I would have been fine with them saying, here's the pure focus just on John and Andy and the relationship. Well, when I was watching this episode and they were doing the flashbacks with Andy and Diggle, I got towards the end of the relationship. And that's when I finally realized, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, the flashbacks in this episode have nothing to do with Oliver. And I'm kind of liking this. And literally no less than five, ten seconds after I thought that, the other dude from the island that Oliver stuck on comes walking into the scene and ties it all in, which is fine. Uh, But like you said, I could have done without that. Right. It could have just been... Purely focused on Diggle and Andy. Well, actually, like I said, the last season when we got the one with Deadshot, where we got Deadshot's past, um, I'm kind of hoping that once we they hit that year five and close the gap between what happened to Oliver and his five years missing, that maybe if they if they decide to continue using the flashbacks, I really love that Deadshot episode from last season, and I'd be really interested for them to say, you know, here's a character in our universe and doing that like old DC Secret Origins comics where I said we're going to take a character and give you a little bit about their past and one-off episodes where it's like this episode is, you know, we got Felicity's episode last season. Um, then, like, if you gave us a little bit more about, you know, go back to characters like Wildcat, you know, show. Well, it's, it's it's very similar to Lost. Right. Did you say that? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I didn't, but, like, you know, it was just okay. that idea <laughs> of I would love to see them go back and maybe even focus on some of the villains of the week. Give me a little bit more history of Damien Dark, um, Anarchy, what happened to him, you know, go into, you know, the league a little bit more. Show me a story about Nyssa. Maybe kind of give us a secondary one-off story that's taking place during not the episode. Um, Kind of like what they do a lot of times in comic books with the backup story, which is like a four or five page story. I think it would be kind of a cool way to keep the flashbacks going, keep them interested where you're learning more about the universe. Um, versus going back to stuff that doesn't seem to matter quite as much anymore. 
Well, we already know for we already know um, from reveals in the news and such that Stephen Amell has already signed on for at least another two more seasons of Arrow, right? Um, which runs at least another season past where these flashbacks are supposed to end, right? So I'm sure the creative team, like with Berlanti and, and Kreisberg and all these, they have to be working on something already. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just curious as to what they're gonna do. Um, because, as far as you go, because I wouldn't mind seeing the same thing of what you mentioned too, of flashbacks of other characters. Yeah, or even honestly, like I said, you mentioned Lost. Just do give me a flash forward. What's to come for these characters? Um, I think that would be interesting as well. Yeah, I definitely do too. Uh, one question, I guess, that uh, might be on your mind. I don't know if it, it's kind of on mine. Is is Felicity ever going to walk again? Um, I, you know, what? honestly, I she ended up becoming still and feeling like the strong character that we got from season one and season two by the end of this episode. She was very positive. Um, she was even cracking jokes about situations like the alarms went off in the arrow cave and them, uh, her be like, we need to build ramps, like even things like yeah. that. Like, you know, and you got to see that later Ollie again, when they had that moment in the cave, uh, at the end there, where it was kind of them kind of like, you know, we both became, you know, we're both kind of amazing people. Let's not go backwards. And I really like that, and it was that that positive vibe that I like that we've been seeing in this season of Arrow. Um, so I really hope that even in whatever the situation is, they just don't use that as a crutch against her, fall back on that, like, her dealing with life in those ways. But again, I think Ali said it best in this. He's like, you know, we live in a world where somebody can run really fast. There's bird people. There's time travel. The doctor said this, but... I will never stop looking for a way. You know, we have Mirakuru in this, all these things, the Lazarus pit. We had a friend come back to life. Right. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that they openly addressed how, and it kind of felt like the, the showrunners addressing how much their series has changed from episode one to today. Um, and it was a really, I think, again, a very nice nod, but I like the fact that it's kind of like anybody can walk again. If in this universe, there's no reason we can't find a way. Yeah. Um, going back to my, uh, my bullet point with this, how I gave this a hero status and I said I would re- reveal why when we were discussing it, you actually just kind of hit the bullet on the head, uh, hit the nail on the head a short time ago and we saw a more lighter side of Arrow and, um, of Oliver and Felicity with that moment in the Arrow Cave. However, that wasn't this what sealed the deal for for the legendary status for me. Uh, what really got me to legend status was the last moment of the show uh, with Diggle and Andy and Lila. That was an extremely lighthearted moment to a show that obviously can go dark many, many times. Uh, for people that have said that this show has gone dark too much, we've seen a lot more lighthearted moments this season. But that moment at the end with Diggle bringing Andy into their home and Andy meeting his niece for the first time, that was one of the most lighthearted moments we've seen in this series so far. Well, and I think honestly it goes along with uh, the overall theme of season four has been redemption. And it was that moment nail for Andy, kind of kind of like doesn't matter what you've done. Lila and John both were kind of like, you're welcome in our home, your family. And that doesn't matter. It's it's like I said, you're seeing a lot of beautiful things mirroring what's happening in the overall arc of the show. And especially now with somebody like Andy, it was it was really very touching. Um, You know, the funny thing is we actually haven't gotten to probably the biggest moment that was kind of barely even had a moment to itself to kind of stand out. The big shock of this episode was we had a character death. Um, 
We did? Yes, we lost Amanda Waller in this episode. Oh, that's right. Yes, we did. Yeah. I, I don't know why. For some reason, that just kind of... Again. I kind of <laughs> wrote that off it, uh, for some reason. Because that's kind of exactly what it seemed like the showrunners were doing with the character. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a shame for somebody that's been so pivotal now in the background for a couple seasons now. Um, that really felt like it was a moment coming from on high that it says, you know, this character is now off the table. And... Um, it scares me a little bit with the looming DC cinematic universe getting ready to start. Is that going to start causing any additional problems now for any of these shows? Um, I don't know. Cause I think, I, I think that with the, the addition of the suicide squad to arrow and Amanda Waller and, and Deadshot and all those characters, while I would love to see Deadshot come back. Cause Michael Rowe is a fantastic actor uh, who we've had the chance to speak to twice on the show cast, but cheap, plug um <laughs> we uh i i think it was a secondary enough storyline that if the rights wanted to go back to film it's fine when as far as um other characters i mean obviously it, we're, we're gonna see flash in film but it's still gonna continue to exist on television um i think the same thing could happen with arrow where if they wanted to bring green arrow into the justice league which i don't see how they couldn't um obviously it's the show Arrow is still going to continue. I think the secondary characters, it might cause a little bit of a rift, but for the main characters that we've seen so far, I don't really think it's going to cause any bit of a problem. That's true. Again, it was one of the things more so that just looking at that happening, it, it made me a little frustrated because, again, uh, the way that it seemed like you know Michael Rowe was kind of just taken out of the mix last season and it was kind of done very unceremoniously and it seemed like the same thing happened again here. Um, it, it really just uh, kind of tweaked me just a little bit. Well, a little, a little bit of a difference, though, between Michael Rowe and Amanda Waller, or Amanda Rowe and, um, uh, God, um, <laughs> I had her name, um, it's Cynthia Robinson, um, who plays Amanda Waller. She, um, at least Michael Rowe got a full episode focused on Deadshot, and then Deadshot going out at the end. So he kind of went out in a blaze of glory. Um, Amanda Waller kind of went out in a blaze of glory, but it was a flash in the pan. It was, you know, it was so quick that it was just... I think it was meant to be written off. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, whereas Deadshot was such a fan favorite, just from the few episodes that he was in, they kind of gave him his his final bow. They did. They they did a nice job. And again, that goes back to the last season where you know you got you know Lawton's backstory, which was pretty cool. So and I and I will say um, again, going back to our interview with Michael Rowe that we had. Um, the second time we spoke to him was right after they had given him that final bow in the season. And he had said, um, you know, the way this universe is, don't count out ever seeing him or never seeing him again because you never know. He doesn't know for sure that they'll ever bring him back, but he doesn't count it out. And uh, we are going to talk to him again sometime soon down the road because he does have other irons in the fire of other comic book properties that he is working with. He just was not allowed to reveal. Mm, I'm very curious to hear what that is. Um, I am too. I think So we told him as soon as he's allowed, he's got to come back on, and he completely agreed. Excellent. So. I, I think the only other thing that was noted all in this episode was um, – uh, there was a little quick moment with uh, Ollie and, um, you know, Black Canary when they were training. And you got to see them actually, you know, Ollie addressing Barry being able to time travel. And uh, you got to see Laurel kind of bit, kind of had that look on her face like, wait, whoa, 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 what do you mean time travel? And you can see Ollie's gears are ticking a little bit. Like, uh, maybe this is still um, the events that they happened because they changed time. Maybe they're getting ready to come back and bite them, and I'm wondering to see if that continues to play out at all. 
I, what, I, what I liked about that moment, too, was the fact that it, through this show, they revealed that because they are in the same universe, these occurrences that happened in one show do have consequences in the others. Right. And that's something they've never really fully explored before, um, with the exception of bringing in uh, Vandal Savage that now continues into um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which we'll start with in just a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. That now we're starting to see that because this is one universe, it's an expanded universe, consequences do happen from because of events that happened in one show. We will see consequences in the other. Yeah. So... Uh, lastly, before we wrap up with Arrow, I'm curious as to, uh, again, this is going into a prediction. Um, will we see Andy g- join Team Arrow? You know what? I'm not quite sure yet. Um, I, I generally didn't give that any thought until you brought that up just now. Um, and I'm wondering <laughs> if they will do that. I think that's really going to depend on who is laying in that grave at the end of the season. That's a good point. I didn't even think about it that way. I mean, because we now we have him moving into an apartment where everybody in that apartment knows who everybody is. Right. Diggle and Lila both know Diggle Sentry. They both know, you know, Oliver is Green Arrow. So obviously Andy is already a little bit on the inside because oh, not, he does uh, know. Not Sentry, uh, Spartan. Or Spartan. You're right. Yeah. Um, I had them confused. <laughs> um, hey, maybe Andy could become Sentry. There you go. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, he's already knows a little bit more because he knows Diggle was there with Argus. So, I mean, he definitely knows Diggle's into what he's into. He just doesn't know how deep. Actually, quick question. Do you also think Lila's going to take over Argus? I do. I do, I, too. I thought about that, too. I think she's going to become the new head of Argus. I do, too. And I'm actually I would like to see that. Uh, every time she appears on the show, she's always been very interesting. And yes. she can definitely, seems like every time she shows up and she's like, you know, I'm kind of done with this life, she keeps getting pulled back in, and it just makes sense for her to just go ahead and embrace it, and I'd like them to just go ahead and do it. And it would be nice because Argus would then become a backup to Team Arrow. Yes. Instead of constantly getting in their way. Yeah. And I think it would be a nice way to kind of, it's kind of like the answer to like Marvel having S.H.I.E.L.D., like Argus now working with the heroes instead of against them. Yes, Exactly. Uh, moving on then to the final show of the week with uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Episode 2, simply titled Pilot Part 2. Uh, tipped off to Vandal Savage's whereabouts, the team infiltrates a munitions deal with Professor Stein as their leader. Uh, I'm reading over this, and it's giving away pretty much the entire plot, so we're going to skip the synopsis for this one so that we can talk about it. Obviously, it's the simplified plot is they go into this, a battle breaks out, a piece of Adam's suit... Um, falls off that gets into the hand of Vandal Savage and changes the timeline uh, to which they have to kind of go back and kind of fix this before it destroys. Um, it, it kind of it puts an advance on the timeline, whereas rather than in the year like 2100 and something in 2016, which is current time, is when things kind of take place. Right, and uh, I love the fact that they have a way to see a prediction of the future based on what they fucked up. Um, yes. That just makes this show that much more fun. Yes, exactly. Uh, we did see um, a lot of action between... I think we saw more action in this episode with the group. We finally saw a battle scene that included everybody. Yeah, we had a nice ensemble fight during the um, the arms deal. Yes, which I loved. Um, another cool moment that I loved, uh, this is jumping ahead a little bit more, is when... Um, Professor Stein, or no, it wasn't Professor Stein. It was uh, Rip Hunter hands Adam his suit, and it just looks like a figure. Yes, it was the little and action says, figure. It's <laughs> like you're going to, yeah, don't, don't forget it this like, time. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. Which I thought was great. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I love the fact that it was just a little tiny, little hand painted action figure, and it was perfect. 
Yes, exactly. Um, so general thoughts on this episode. We both gave this one a legend, even though we were kind of teetering between only giving it a hero. Um, uh, anything in particular that you can think of that kind of stands out from this episode? Uh, yeah, we're just gonna we're not gonna bury the lead on this one. Uh, Hawkman dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very curious now to know where they're gonna go with this. Well, the nice thing is again because this is a time travel show, they can go into the future and retrieve another version of you know uh, Hawkman. I mean, like they don't have to worry about finding another version of Carter Hall, Carter Hall out there. Uh, or Prince Khufu, or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> but doesn't that kind of separate him now, though, from uh, from Hawk Girl? It does. If you, were to go in, if you were to go in the future and do that? It does, because now it's a different version, and it's the question of, I'm wondering if what we're going to see uh, going down the next couple episodes is an, uh, an episode where they do go into the future, find another version of Hawkman, and it's now Kendra that has to teach him who he is. So, which Yeah, which could be a very interesting... Um... Uh, dynamic to the whole thing, especially considering the fact that we just we got revealed as um, as Carter was dying that she finally remembered who she was and that she was in love with him, and then he dies, so now she's got you know now she's going to be heartbroken to the whole thing, which again bringing in the dynamic if we were to bring in a Hawkman from the future and she has to reveal to him who he is, he's not going to remember that he loves her, so the dynamic is going to be completely reversed. Right, and uh, you know I, I really have to give credit to Sierra Renee who plays a. Uh, Kendra on the show um her moment there at the end when after she was uh she was stabbed uh and in the recovery after uh you know Hawkman dies was actually really really touching and it was actually fairly incredibly emotional even for a character that we've only known for a few episodes like she really had a great performance there I think that was a very big standout moment again for this episode yeah, um, we had more of the of the fun dynamic with um, Mick and Leonard, uh, Captain Cold and Heatwave, and this time adding uh, Ray into the mix, which I loved. I th- I think he is the perfect anti dynamic to that group, but it works perfectly. It's it just it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of the way to put it like that would be easily explained but there's really no way to put it it's just fun well i I, i'm really excited too because again you know to move out of this episode and into the synopsis for next week they brought up the fact that it's you know leonard and uh mick again but this time taking and convincing uh jackson to go and take the wave rider back to 20 i think 15 for a heist so I love that they're using these characters constantly and focusing on with them with one other character because it doesn't yeah. seem like who they pair them with on the show. Those characters are bringing out the best of each one of those other actors every time they're interacting. By them being their worst, yeah. they're bringing out the best in everybody. And it's it's wonderful. Uh, we yeah. saw I saw that with part one with them and Sarah. We saw that you know in uh, part two here with uh, Ray and. I just can't wait to see more of these two. I think they are my absolute favorite, you know, additions into this show right off the bat. Yeah, I completely agree. The the dynamic that Wentworth Miller and Dominic Parcell have together is fantastic. I mean, we, we saw them in Prison Break. We're going to see them again in Prison Break. Mm-hmm. Um, they're two completely different characters, obviously, um, that they're playing in Prison Break and they're playing in now. But the dy- their dynamics are the same. Um, I will note. I will say I did notice. I do notice something about Leonard Snart. Um, and I, I really, I, I have to be careful in the way that I say this, um, it, because it, it does extend a little bit more into his personal life. Um, his, I want to say his lifestyle, um, if that's a, a, a PC way to put it, because okay. 
obviously, I don't want to come off that I'm homophobic because I'm really, really not. Um, but Wentworth Miller is gay in real life. Um, and I think I kind of see a little bit of that in this character. Not that he's intentionally portraying it as gay, but in his manner, in the way he talks, the way he speaks, I kind of see a difference. I kind of, uh, I, I, that, I think, honestly, that is, I think he just, he's so meticulous, and I love the way he's so meticulous, though. It's, yeah. um, every word is so carefully chosen. It's that slow cadence that he's got. Um, but again, though, it's just, I love just every time you see the two of them, though, they choose so much scenery. But in this show, it works so beautifully. It's fantastic. It and works I, and I so it. well. But yeah, I mean, I can I can see that maybe just a little bit. But, you know, I don't think that's a hindrance to this character whatsoever. No, I think, oh, no, not at all. I think, honestly, it, it uh, if he's taking a little bit, like, I think every actor takes a little bit of their life and puts them in each each character. But I think whatever he's used to, he's using to harness this character specifically, he, whatever he's doing, I, I just want to see him keep it up because he is making one of my favorite on-screen villains slash anti-heroes slash heroes, whatever way you want to view him. Um, but he just demands your attention every time he comes on screen. Oh yeah, I mean, again, I like I didn't want that to come across as it was a negative. Oh no, I don't. All. I don't think it's, so at all. Because it's it's not. It absolutely was not a negative. And you're right. Like it's gotten to the point where like I. I'm always thinking of new cosplay ideas, even though I've only ever done like three costumes. Um, and Captain Cold is now on my list. I mean, it's just because of his character. Mm -hmm. So I, and I, I just, I love that. Yeah. Um, you know, again, like I said, we could probably do probably an entire episode on just those two characters alone and how much they, they've been some of our favorite parts of this. And I'm sure once we get to season's end and we do our full, uh, legends episode, um, I have a feeling that a lot of our conversations will be based on the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another uh, thing that we saw in this episode is a cameo of Damien Dark. Yes, yes, we did see him. And uh, I was actually, that actually was one of those things that was teetering me towards pushing this to hero. Um, the only reason I think that, it's not because, you know, they popped in Damien, but so far them showcasing other villains that have been the standouts in their shows takes a little something away from Vandal Savage. And I'm still at a point where I don't quite fear him too much. Um, No, I, I don't think we fear him as much as we should, but I don't think we've seen everything, the potential of Vandal Savage. I think that's, that's very, that's coming in the very near future. Uh, we have a bit, of, it, we'll, we'll get to it a little bit later in the news part uh, towards the end of the podcast, but there is something that is upcoming with Legends that I definitely think could make him more of the villain that he needs to be. Yeah, I mean, well, the funny thing is, though, still, like, we've seen him in the crossover episodes right before season break killing all of our heroes, and I still, I'm still not 100% sold on Casper Crumb's Vandal Savage. Um and again, I think it's because they're trying to cram in so much characterization and story um, that he's still getting a little overshadowed by how much they still have to set up and get audiences to understand. So I'm really hoping that in the next couple episodes, he's going to stand out just a little bit more. But the idea of just kind of right now using him as, as an arms dealer and, you know, messing with future tech just a little bit. Um, still really hasn't showcased him quite in the right way. And I hope in the next couple episodes, we see a little bit more from him. Yeah, I mean, and I, I agree with that. I mean, I agree. Obviously, we, we're seeing a past version of Vandal Savage, so he's not as strong as he was when he met with Arrow and Flash in their time, current timeline. But also, he's been around for thousands of years. He should be more advanced, more villainous than he is now. 
He should be a little bit more than just an arms dealer. Right. And, you know, maybe there's part of that, though, too, is, you know, we bring up Captain Cold and it's just, it's very methodical. And that's the kind of the way Casper Krupp is playing it. It's, it's the long game for him. But for somebody that's been alive for thousands of years, you would think his long game would be a little bit closer to fruition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I guess, you know, if you look at it in the long grand scheme of things, a thousand years, you know, another 50 years down the line is really kind of not that far away for somebody that's practically immortal. Yeah, so, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, all, all in all, though, I mean, I'm still liking the actor. I think he does a decent job portraying him. I think it's just the the character needs just a little bit more screen time. I don't think the the Damien Dark thing was quite that necessary. All it made me think is, wait, Damien Dark doesn't age, and that was about it, and we didn't get any any real answers to much of this yet. So it just raised more questions for Arrow than it did anything for Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, one thing we'll mention before we wrap up with DC Sessions of Tomorrow, and I'll let you go into it a little bit because you had mentioned this all fair when we were prepping for this. Uh, Victor Garber, um, a.k.a. Dr. Martin Sheen, had his own little Back to the Future moment in this episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we got to see Martin Stein and his younger Martin Stein. Uh, did I say did I say Steve? You did I say Steve. It's OK. I um, Stein. Uh, but you got to see uh, young Dr. Stein as well, uh, who is a pot smoker in 1975, but still really yes. obsessed with science. And uh, definitely uh, flirting a little bit with Sarah, which was kind of fun. Um, but I love the idea that even current day Martin Stein um, is sitting there and thinking about the consequences in the timeline sets an alarm for his younger self to make sure he wakes <laughs> up to meet his future wife, which gets botched, which you see his wedding ring disappear. But I love those little nods. I love when things reference like time travel stuff the way that you know I think about it from movies from my childhood. Um, so I, yeah, like the little said, the, the secondary, the second back to the future kind of esque moment of uh, this week. And, uh, it was very kind of awesome. And, you know, uh, on top of that, we also saw Sarah take a couple, a uh, couple of joints at the end of that and taking him back yeah, onto the ship. They were very heavy in the drug, drug reference yeah. in this episode and they weren't afraid of it at all. No, And I, I kind of like that. They weren't afraid to do a lot of that stuff. Uh, they're really embrace. They, they definitely were focusing on embracing the seventies culture. And that's one thing that makes me excited about the show, knowing that we're going to get to a point where we're going to see Jonah Hex. So we're going to go wild west. Um, I love the fact that they're treating each of these times very specific. And I know we've only seen 1975 so far, but the fact that they have, you know, the tech on the wave rider to make sure it generates whatever clothing's pop, like, you know, you know, present for that timeline. Like they addressed those little issues. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, a couple episodes down the road where we get, you know, the cowboy episode. So, yeah, but yeah. Oh God, I can't wait to see an old West episode. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be so it's much gonna, fun. It's going to be great. It makes you wonder though, if you were to go back in time and meet a previous version of yourself, would you think you're a douchebag? Yeah, pretty much. Cause that's exactly <laughs> what Ed Stein dealt with. Like, yep. And uh, I, so. I like the fact that he kind of addressed, uh, you know, it makes me kind of feel a little sad, though, too, because they're still addressing um, that uncharacteristic move by him in episode one um, when he drugs uh, Jackson. And they had to do that again uh, in this one. And it's kind of a I'm glad they are addressing it, but it still is constantly bringing it back up that like Stein is not quite the Stein we had on the flash. Um, and they're coming out of that hole and we're getting back to the Stein that we like so much from, uh, you know, Team Flash. But again, I really, really hope they they get a little bit more past that point of him questioning himself as much and uh, back to somebody that's very proactive the way that he's always seemed in other shows. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, all right. So that wraps up then for uh, 
uh, for the Secret Origins portion of the podcast. Uh, moving on now to get ready to wrap things up, we're going to move on to the DC Essentials portion, uh, which is we bring you some, you know, some of the latest news and make some recommendations for some things, uh, obviously, that we want you to check out. Um, so starting off with the news portion of it, um, I know I had a couple bits of news that we had seen. Uh, I'll stick with the DC's Legends of Tomorrow uh, story that I had just made mention, I made, made reference to a short time ago. Uh, it has been revealed by Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell did announce this himself that in episode eight of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, we're going to see a future version of Oliver Queen, aka Green Arrow, uh, who is will be armless and goateed. Yeah, he's going to be missing his left arm and will be sporting his uh, his classic signature goatee. I think we're also supposed to see Connor Hawk. Who is going to be the uh, is the other current Green Arrow at this timeline too? And now that armless version of Ollie is actually a nice reference to the Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, and that's how we originally saw Ollie in that timeline. Like we got to see old man Ollie missing the left arm, but still rocking being an archer. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. So it's nice to see them continually to nod to uh, you know pe- writers like uh, Miller uh, in, in this timeline. Yeah. So, um, and the other bit of news that we had is that DC has announced a new animated series, Justice League Action, uh, is on its way. But the coolest part about this um, is the fact that Mark Hamill is going to be reprising his role as the Joker. Uh, and Kevin Conroy is also going to be back as well, voicing his talents. Yes, we actually have some other awesome people joining the show, too. We got James Woods is going to be rocking Lex Luthor. Uh, Diedrich Bader, who was the voice of Batman from Batman Brave and the Bold, is actually going to be Booster Gold. So that's kind of awesome as well. Uh, I know this show is being done by Sam Register, who's the guy that's responsible for Teen Titans Go. And this is going to be more in that, like, two 11-minute episodes. Um, so I think it's uh, I think we're going to see a much more lighthearted version, again, similar to Teen Titans Go, versus the old uh, Bruce Tim universe. Well, what I saw that they, they were going to be 50, it was going to be 15 minutes. Yeah, well, I think they're, what they're doing is I think they're doing two, like, 15-minute, or no, it's uh, episodes are 11 minutes in length. So it's it's this tight little quick quick ones uh, done, oh, okay. like, the way that they do Teen Titans Go. So it's, okay. so it's going to be, I think, two 11-minute sections to make you up the full 22 minutes. Okay. Um, I, I will tell you, what I, I do like the DC animated movies. Um, yes. I'm, I've, I haven't seen all of them. I saw the Shazam uh, one. Um, I know there's a number of other ones I've seen here and there. I can't remember the titles off the top of my head. But I like what DC does with the animated. I've still, um, I'm still a big fan of the older uh, series that they had with, um, you know, Superman the animated series. I was a huge fan of uh, the Batman animated series. The original one, I was a huge fan. Oh yeah, of I mean, they're so. still considered to be some of the best animated series that have ever existed. And I think if you look at most top ten animated series from all time, uh, Batman's usually always number one. That beautiful Art Deco look that uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim created for that world was amazing, and it was great to see that Superman the Animated Series and Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, and Batman Beyond kind of helped keep that all rolling for so long. But again, we're kind of, like I said, in a very much in a new era, so I'm really hoping that this will be as much fun as some of those older things, but kind of, you know, I hope it's not as kind of over the top as Teen Titans go. Uh, that's the only thing that scares me a little bit. That's a little bit more super, super, super kid-friendly, uh, where, like, Batman Brave and the Bold was a nice balance for kids and adults. There was a lot of great references. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering to see how this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, I am too. 
So, um, cool. So, any recommendations for some things that people should check out yes. in between this week and next week? Yes, actually, you know, um, real quick, as you mentioned, DC animated films. I actually brought up. Uh, I think I have three little recommendations here. One of them is one of the animated movies. It's actually the Flashpoint Paradox uh, that came out in July 30th from 2013. That story essentially is the explanation of how the old DC continuity world ended up into the new 52, which is our current comic book universe. But it's also the primer for most of season one of The Flash. Uh, it's a really great reverse Flash Flash story. And it's kind of that idea that book is and movie is um, if Barry actually did go back and save his mother. And it shows us the world that we would get if he did that and his mother was safe. So it's kind of a nice way to look back at season one and see... If Barry did save his mother, what kind of world may we be living in? So it's a really awesome, unique story. You get to see a lot of cool Earth 2 stuff as well. So I think it's highly recommended to check out. Uh, on top of that, too, um, Fat Man on Batman. I'm going to pimp that again because it's an <laughs> awesome, awesome podcast. But episode number 107, Brandon Rath is on. The episode is called One Man, Two Heroes, talking about his time making Superman Returns, which is still a very underrated film, I think, in my opinion. I I agree. I agree. Uh, and then uh, him uh, being a part of Legends of Tomorrow as the Atom. Kevin Smith, as always, is amazing interviewing these folks. And uh, I think, and the last but not least, is if you want to check out an old comic, uh, The Flash Secret Files and Origins, Volume 1, Issue Number 3, is the first appearance of Hunter Zolomon, if you want to check that out. And buy into my theory that he is our big bad for Season 2 <laughs> of The Flash. <laughs> Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to make a couple recommendations as well. Um, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a cheap plug, but I had mentioned them earlier on that we had an opportunity on my podcast, uh, the showcast through Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, we've interviewed a number of people actually from both Arrow and, um, now DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, if you go to our website, nextlevelradioonline.com, and click on the interviews tab, season one, we had a chance to interview James Banford, who is the stunt coordinator for Arrow, and I think he's now the head coordinator for Flash, I'm not sure, uh, as well as our first interview with Michael Rowe, who plays Deadshot on Arrow. Season two, we had our second interview with Michael Rowe, and then just two weeks ago, we had our interview with Falk Henshaw, who plays Hawkman. So... Um, Obviously, some cheap plugs, but to uh, if you want a little bit of insight into these characters and what it's like working on the show and such, you get a lot of that through those interviews. So recommend just going back and checking them out. Indeed. Uh, and then, again, you can always find us on iTunes and tell your friends. You can just search DC Prime Time. You know, uh, you can always, if you want to find out a little bit about uh, what I do specifically, just head over to uh, caffeinecrew.com. You can always write us to that, the caffeinecrew at gmail.com as well. And like I said, I do a monthly podcast over there that's kind of focusing on all of geek culture. Ben is a, a common guest uh, on our monthly show. Usually, Indeed I am. <laughs> and we had our amazing <laughs> Star Wars spoiler cast. And, our uh, amazing twice the amount of time. <laughs> it's a th Turned out to be like three hours. Three and a half, man. Three and a half. The normal episode was like, an, I think, an hour, 25 minutes, and then about two hours was focused purely on just a spoiler cast for Star Wars. That's quite a bit of fun. You get a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge of the Star Wars universe, and it was really cool. Everybody kind of creating their own theories and picking that uh, picking that apart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun being on um, the Cast a Cruise podcast. So it's is that what it is? Cast a Pod. Uh, cast a Pod. Yeah. God, man, I'm screwing up all over the place. Um, yeah, the Cast of Pods. It's a lot of fun. So I highly recommend, as Rob said, going over there and checking that out as well. You can find that on iTunes as well as uh, our podcast, the Showcast. Just go if you search uh, Next Level Radio under 
uh, podcasts in the iTunes store. You can find us there, or you can find uh, links to not only our podcast, but if you go to the friends of the pod, uh, friends of the show, uh, link on our website, you can link right over to to Rob and Caffeine Crew as well, and uh, also um, our friends over at Nerdbase as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which I'm um, hoping we'll have uh, our friend Chris from Nerdbase on here fairly soon because he keeps up with most of these shows as well. I love to get his opinion on some of those. He, uh, I'm pretty sure that's possibly going to happen very soon because he is actually doing an interview with me for the showcast this week. Awesome. So, which means we'll be able to get him on this podcast as well. So, uh, but yeah, I think that about oh, wraps it uh, up. You know, again, one more reminder to yes, make sure yes. everybody heads over to georgeshawmusic.com. Again, big thanks to George for letting us use that amazing intro piece. That's that awesome uh, Superman, Batman theme crossover. And uh, this amazing feature you're probably just beginning to hear or about to hear in just a second. <laughs> so again, uh, and also check out, he's done some cool things too with Stan Lee uh, called the Ode to Geek. And he's got uh, the Star Wars Disney musical. Which, I was just going to say, please check out the Star Wars Disney and musical. They have, it is fantastic. They have a second one coming, uh, and their little teaser poster is The Empire's New Groove, uh, which <laughs> looks fantastic. It's a really awesome piece that he's done. Um, so make sure you definitely check him out, send him messages, follow him on Twitter as well. And he's a bit of a DC geek as well, he so is. we're kind of hoping we could have him on the podcast yeah, in the future. We're, we're, we're trying to work on that now, so hopefully before the end of this season of the show, you'll be hearing his voice. And do not be surprised uh, if some of these names that you have heard me mention that we have already talked to, uh, you will hear them on this podcast. Hopefully at some point uh, before this podcast wraps up for the season, we can get somebody from the show on to join us and talk about that as well. Yeah, uh, And again, um, feel free to reach out to us too from those uh, email contacts we mentioned before. Uh, if there's anything specific you would like us to, to do after the season wraps, do you have any ideas for us? Anything you would like to see added to the show or gone into a little bit more in detail? And don't forget to go over and rate us on iTunes. Yes, and if you have anything that you would recommend for our DC Essentials that we haven't brought up already, please email, as you said, um, uh, thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com, or I can be reached at ben at nextlevelradioonline.com as well. Um, hit us both up. Put us both on the email so we both see it. Yep. I think, I think that's it for this week. I think so as well. So with that being said, uh, until next week, uh, I am Ben Beck. I am Rob Martin. And we will see you guys for another DC Primetime next week. Yep, and Squee Roy Harper comes back next week. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Later. Peace.